Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Guys Without Helmets. Well, week six of the NFL season is finally in the books. Pretty exciting week full of upsets and some predictable things. But nonetheless, week six start off with a Washington Commanders against Chicago Bears. Again, guys, is it me or is the NFL just riddled with average primetime games this year? I, you could say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the commentators are telling us that. I've never we seen... promise that next Thursday oh. won't be this bad. How many times do we get Broncos in primetime? Uh, enough. I mean, the good thing about them having all these primetime games now is they don't have any at the end of the year. Oh, my God. But when they, they might be watchable at the end of the year. I don't know. Yeah, that's the sad part. Well, we live, it's safe to say that we live in, in the uh, mid-Atlantic region. It, some people call it Washington territory. I refuse to believe that. But Washington was able to, to eke out a absolute terrible win. Uh, twelve to seven against Chicago. Uh, we're not talking tons about this, Josh. I mean, what are your thoughts? You got to feel bad for at least the Bears situation. This is just not a good team. Uh, <laughs> Do just, we have to feel bad? I mean, relatively, they have no weapons on this team. You have right. Dante Pettis leading the game in receiving yards with nine or eighty-four. Um, yeah, I mean, they have talent on Washington, but they weren't able, or have not been able to produce. At, at all, all with Terry McLaurin this season. We saw Brian Robinson come back. He was the lead back. 60 yards, one touchdown in his debut as the starter. Pretty good debut, but Justin Fields led the game in, rece- er, in passing, 190 yards, and rushing overall for running backs and the two quarterbacks, 88 yards. So it was just a bad game. Justin Fields did his part for the most part. They had drops at the end that could have basically won them the game from Darnell Mooney. And I can't—I don't remember the other person, Dante Pettis, maybe, but it was just a bad ending for them, and just they couldn't get any points. They went for it a lot, didn't convert. I mean, they could have been a lot. It could have been a blowout for the Bears. It doesn't—it wasn't an easy win for Washington. Yeah, it wasn't an easy game to watch. But kid, what was your takeaway? It was a lot of running. Luke already said that. Um, Brian Robinson got forced majority of the carries. I think he had. Did he have seventeen carries or something crazy? Twelve or seventeen? Seventeen. I don't remember. Yeah. Bulk of the carries there, and then after the game, Coach Vera says, we want to give Gibson more carries. So it seems like a backfield to avoid there right now for fantasy. Yeah, I think think it's just relative to the game, as in Gibson looked really good when he got his touches. He just want to get him more involved, maybe over McKissick or so. Yeah, I think, and now we can talk about it in a little bit, but their quarterback situation, Wentz hurt his finger in this game. It turns out to be more severe than they thought. He's going to miss some games they've announced. So we'll see how this team looks with a different quarterback. Yeah, I was going to ask you right off the bat with that. Is Taylor Heineke somebody that uh, Coach has wanted all along? It seems like Coach has not been on the Carson Wentz train really at all. He's been critical of him in press conferences. Now that he's going to miss, what, four to six weeks or something? Yeah, I think it's four. Um, Ron Rivera had a lot of support for him after that win against Chicago. He basically stormed off after the press conference. But Taylor Heineke, <clears throat> obviously their starter last year, he's very confident in him going forward at least the next four weeks. If he gets injured, Sam Howell, the rookie, will finally step in. People kind of... Maybe really? rooting for that over Taylor Heineke. See, I feel like Coach isn't making the right call by going with the rookie over Heineke. Just, I mean, I know the season's not, not too far gone, but Heineke's starting. No, I'm saying I want to see the rookie start over over oh, him. Oh well, yeah, but no experience in Heineke led this team last year. So yeah, if he gets injured or if he's in- incredibly bad, then Howell will be coming in. A couple more uh, scores we want to give you. The Baltimore Ravens just keep finding ways to lose. They lose 20-24 to New York at home. I realize New York's a, a now, what, 4-1 and one team? 5-1. and one. Four, five and one, five and one team. But the Ravens, again, for the third time this year, found a way to blow a lead. We're going to talk about that more, actually, uh, in a later segment. But let me ask you this. Your Colts were able to pull it out, 34-27, against Jacksonville at home. Let's talk about these games just a little bit. I didn't see tons and tons uh, of life uh, out of the Colts like we've seen in this game. They were definitely more productive here than they have been in any other game. Yeah, Jacksonville played a great game, in my opinion. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked very efficient. He had two rushing touchdowns, threw the ball nicely. I think he had like he had a very two high percentage. In, two incompletions, I think. Yeah, two incompletions. Mm-hmm. Very great game for Doug Peterson's team. Um, the Colts, they just stuck around instead of going for a field goal to tie, uh, to tie it. No, to uh, win. Yeah. 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 Instead of going for a field goal, they decided to take a shot. Matt Ryan looked like old Matt Ryan, and they scored at the last second. So, iced the game with Alec Pierce as a touchdown. So, they looked a little different than they did. They forced the ball to Deion Jackson, who's their interim running back. Unfortunately, he got injured in this game. Taylor should be back next week, but they looked really good with the backup running back, which is surprising. Their team actually looked better. I don't know what to think of that, but it was just 
all around okay for the Colts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I think Matt Ryan had, what, 58 or 60 attempts in this game. And uh, he had a pretty good game. He had o- around 400 yards, 390, I think, and three touchdowns. He played very well. This is the best game that he's had on the Colts, at least. We just know that this is an easy secondary to beat up against in the Jacksonville Jaguars going forward, and he had a great game. So they really relied on Matt Ryan with Jonathan Taylor being out, and uh, they get a harder matchup in the Titans, presumably, next week. Yeah, a game that was a super surprise for me because I think this is an emergence, and we're going to land here for just a second. Uh, Zappy's able to put up phenomenal numbers in a New England win over the Browns, 38-15. Uh, listen, dare I remind people, the Browns do not have their starting quarterback, their franchise quarterback. So no surprise that they're pulling off a couple of losses this year and playing mediocre. But let's talk about the young quarterback in New England. Do we already have a quarterback controversy with this guy dropping those numbers? I think so. He's been putting up perfect games outside of a tip ball in the last game, not this game, but the week before. He came in for Brian Hoyer interim and took the Packers to overtime. He, he's looked great. Yeah. Uh, there's no way around it. I mean, last year in college, he put up 72 touchdowns and broke the college record for touchdowns as a quarterback. 72, which is insane at Western Kentucky. Before that, he played for a small division school. So he, his upside's really unlimited. We don't know how good he is. We haven't really seen much of him. One year of Division One college. So this the ceiling is the roof, as they say. <laughs> so Bill Belichick clearly likes the guy. They drafted him. He gets he, lucky. He said that... We'll see how it goes with Mac Jones. So Yeah, and that's exactly why they made the pick. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick. People could argue if that was too high or not with the one-year experience, but the upside was untapped, obviously. One year, I think, at a Baptist small school. No one knew about him. Then he got picked up by Western Kentucky, as Caleb said. Mm-hmm. 70 touchdowns, broke the record. So there's a lot of upside there, obviously. One year of production, and now in the NFL, looking pretty... Un- I mean, there's he looks patient. He looks fine. I mean, there's nothing rivaling him playing so far. I mean, he has 600 yards through two and a half games and four touchdowns. He's looked good. So going forward, I think it is 100% a competition. And that's not to say, like this isn't a Cooper Rush Dak thing where he's been in the league for five years, been cut several times, and has been relatively unproductive as a passer. Bailey Zappi's going in there and actually guiding them to wins right now. I mean, Cooper Rush does that. But against harder competition, against Aaron Rodgers, stuff like that, Bailey Zappi's look great. And Mac Jones to start the season and the whole offseason has looked pretty bad. So we'll see going forward. But I think this is more of a competition than not. I think what's noteworthy is the Browns' defense is among the best in terms of player personnel and things like that. Like They're not a bad defense. And to be able to do those type of numbers against a, a pretty world-class defense, I think that's impressive. So, All right, the Bengals barely beat the Saints 30-26. to In fact, for the longest time, it looked like the Saints were in the driver's seat. Uh, in that game, I think the surprise of the week, however, is the Pittsburgh Steelers at home uh, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-18. to Of course, if you listen to sound bites, uh, Tom Brady has some interesting things to say about losing to a rookie quarterback. Is it safe to say this Buccaneer team is definitely not the same? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I mean, most of their weapons are back that they're going to have for this season at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only other options would really be trying to trade for someone, which, I mean, they have talent. I mean, Chris Godwin's back for the most part. Mike Evans is there as well. They're using Kate Otten, the rookie, as the tight end. He's been more productive than Karen Brait even last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the weapons they're going to have, and it's not bad comparing it to last year other than Antonio Brown being the one loss. I, this is as good as their offense is going to be. They're just getting pressured a ton. We know they've had backup offensive linemen since week one. It's just been bad for them on offense. And right. on defense, they're allowing plays that a veteran defense shouldn't be allowing, like the, the touchdown that Najee Harris had. He basically dumped it off to the left with no one even near him, and he scored, as well as the Chase Claypool play against um, or with Mitchell Trubisky in at quarterback. They're just allowing plays that they shouldn't have. It's not that their defense is playing bad because every game they're allowing very little points, but – their offense just hasn't been able to do anything to sustain the how good the defense has been playing. Yeah, I guess the other question is, what did Pittsburgh do right this time? Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett left the game with a concussion protocol, went to Trubisky, he was able to hold out, but a lot of the damage was done earlier in the game. So yeah, this is definitely a wait and see. A couple more games uh, from the 1 o'clock time frame. I'll give you the last three. San Francisco goes to Atlanta. Uh, they lose to the Falcons 14-28. That's a surprise. Of course, the Jets, uh, right now, are the media's favorite, uh, 27-10 to over Green Bay. And Minnesota took care of business against Miami without Tua, uh, 24-16. Those are the 1 o'clock games. Um, the Jets, these are media darlings right now. I mean, they've got everybody putting them way up high. <laughs> Caleb shaking his head high up on that uh, the old uh, power rankings. Uh, but, Caleb, you're shaking your head. It's the Jets still. I get it. But why are you shaking your head? 
Yeah, it's everyone but their quarterback. <laughs> he had 100 yards in this game. No passing touchdown. It was all on the ground. Braxton Berrios rushing touchdown. Brees Hall rushing touchdown. It's it's not their quarterback. I I'd hate to see them stick with this guy another year when they could draft someone in this draft or maybe get a free agent. Maybe Lamar Jackson becomes available. But I just think that if they keep this guy, then it's going to hurt their team more than help. I know they they look at great everywhere else except for quarterback. So. This guy being Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this team, as you said, has been very good uh, overall other than Zach Wilson. We know he had 110 passing yards in this game. And the game before, he had 80 yards to every receiver on his team despite or other than the one dump off to Brees Hall. So he's not been passing a ton. He hasn't had a passing touchdown either in either one of these two wins. I mean, you look at who they played. They played against Kenny Pickett slash Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Was that the game? I think so. Or maybe it was just Mitch Trubisky. Either way, not a great quarterback play right. there. Skylar Thompson, and then this week Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense. I mean, their best game was against the Bears, but beyond that, they've scored 7, 14, and 27 against Bailey Zappi and then 10 against the Jets, and losing to the Giants week before. They have not been a good team. We can't really consider them to be a great team either going forward. So I think there's a little bit of context there. The Jets are overall are playing very good, but if you're looking at sustaining against great teams, quarterbacks have to step up. I'm not trying to hate on Zach Wilson at all, but 200 passing yards essentially over the last two games with no touchdowns is not going to sustain against good passing teams. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking over the, those last slate of games, we expect more out of an Aaron Rodgers-led team. But he's just not able to get it done by himself. He needs more help for to get some wins, I think, there. Uh, Minnesota being able to take care of business without Tua, again, no surprise. That offense looks good. Certainly a different team with a new head coach. Yeah, and they also let the Dolphins stick around for way too long. I mean, they had a score at the end, I believe, to Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. Or, no, it was a 50-yard touchdown from Dalvin Cook. It was a very close game for the most part. I mean... The Dolphins had Skylar Thompson, who came out there initially and play. It was playing very well, keeping it close. I mean, for the first 25 minutes or so, Minnesota didn't even do anything. There was no points on the board from them. But Skylar Thompson getting an injury to his thumb made Teddy Bridgewater come in. He had turnovers immediately and really put the Vikings in the lead going forward. But it was not at all a great game for the Vikings, no. despite the score. Another not at all good game when your own team chooses you to uh, basically kicks you off the team mid game. It's not a good day for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, what's going on in Carolina? They they lost no surprise again one five to the L A Rams twenty four ten. But what's the story there? Yeah, they as we all know fired Matt Rule last week during the week. Um, was it right after the game last week? Yeah, I think yeah. it was Monday. It's pretty rough. Um, they're just trying to figure it out. It looks like they're obviously rebuilding. They have to. They already said that they will trade their stars, Christian McCaffrey, for two first-round picks and mm-hmm. more. Well, I don't think they're going to get that. That's like saying Kevin Durant's for trade in the NBA. <laughs> like obviously, he's for trade, but no one's going to pay up for him. But, um, yeah, Robbie Anderson and the coach do not get along. The wide receiver's coach does not like him. And Steve Wilkes basically said, get out. So wow. he left. I think at halftime he was gone, and then they trade him to the Arizona Cardinals, we find out this week. So that's great for the Cardinals. Really? Because Hollywood is out for six weeks minimum with a ankle injury, a fractured ankle, so he plays similar to him, the deep threat. So I think I think I'm a fan of Robbie Anderson. I think he's a good player. Y'all, I, I mean, come on. He's had Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and PJ Walker. He doesn't really have any. Admittingly, help. it's hard to gauge his talent with those. Clowns I think he's a him. he's a solid receiver. I think there's a reason okay. that the Cardinals want him. But I think this game, the Rams. With the, so many injuries to their offensive line, looked better than they have all year. Allen Robinson gotten involved obviously and then um daryl henderson looks to be the guy now that cam Akers is gone there's a lot of drama this mm-hmm. week yeah cam Akers was officially off the team as far as the starting lineup so we don't know if they're trying they said they're trying to deal him but we don't know what's going to happen with right. that situation yeah i mean i think steve wilkes comes in doesn't like robbie anderson he trades him back to his former team the biggest thing for this is a rebuilding roster presumably in the panthers uh they signed robbie anderson to a longer bigger contract than people would probably wanted on the Panthers side so they traded him away basically just removing the contract from that rebuilding roster but this is as expected I think for the Rams they could have played better uh, overall I mean it was the Panthers so it was kind of a layup (laughs) game with everything that was happening and Baker Mayfield being out but Panthers passing game non-existent uh, with PJ Walker they brought Jacob Eason in off of the bench to maybe help out this passing game I think PJ Walker got banged up a little bit but this passing game is non-existent uh, Christian McCaffrey has some big plays here and there, but it's not enough to give them anything or even in field goal range for the most part in any of these games so far. So if they trade McCaffrey, this is very much so a bottom three team in the league yeah. with yeah. what's happening right now. So, 
Yeah, a game I think we're all getting more and more surprised. Not that we're believing. I'm going to ask you this question, but twofold. Two, the tale of two cities here. One, Seattle and Geno just keep you know putting some some games together. He's putting up some some decent looking drives. He looks like an an all pro quarterback at this point. You know how I feel about Kyler Murray. A Seahawks win nineteen nine. Lots going on. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Cardinals as we get into our um, buy or sell. So just a little tease there, but. What's going on? Is Seattle as good as we think they are, and are the Cardinals as bad as they look? Both. Um, I think the Seahawks are better than what everyone essentially is assumed was this team's going to be, but I just don't think that they're that great of a team. I know that Geno Smith has been playing very good. If it, the season ended today, he's one of the top MVP candidates going forward or at the end of the year, but right now I just don't think it's going to be sustainable. I, they've been overly efficient for consecutive weeks now, I think three weeks it's been pretty crazy, actually, just how efficient they have been. Uh, this Cardinals team is a very beatable team. Uh, they're not even 500 at this point. I don't know why they decided to give that large extension to Cliff Kingsbury. It's, we'll see what happens. They were a much better team. I think they were undefeated to start the season for like eight games last year with DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe this is a much better team with Hopkins. Um, yeah, this is just a bad team. It's They're a good team the past couple of years, and it looks like a bigger matchup than it is, but they haven't been able to do anything. They've essentially been putting up zero points in the first half of every single game, so they've just been a bad team. Yeah, I think they've had two games this year without a touchdown scored, so I think it's 100% on the coach. Mm. I don't think Kyler Murray is that bad. I don't think your arm just magically dies out. I think that their play calling is trash. I think okay. I've been saying that for two years. I think that they're fraudulent. I think they need to either trade Kyler Murray and help his career or just fire Cliff Kingsbury, which they're going to be taking a cap hit. Well, it's not cap hit, but they're going to lose money as a franchise yeah, money. firing their coach in the middle of this massive contract. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm not a fan. I was never a fan of either Kyler Murray or Cliff Kingsbury, so I think, I think they were winning on borrowed time, and I think even though they brought in a ton of free agents the last couple of years, including D-Hop, who's going to come off uh, injury now, it's not enough. I just don't think this franchise is clicking with quarterback coach uh, team. So, And I'm not sure where they go from here, to be honest. But we'll talk a little more in buy or sell. Uh, Seahawks, though, they seem to be getting it done. Uh, I'm optimistic. Right now, that entire division is in a gridlock other than the Cardinals. Uh, and it's anybody's ballgame, as we said it would be starting the season. A game I don't want to spend a lot of time with because you guys get upset sometimes with uh, Bills Mafia overreacting about their, their team. Look, they haven't won much, so it's nice to. I get it, you know. We'd probably feel the same way if Dallas suddenly started winning, but I'm I'm surprised Kansas City lost at home. Uh, they lose twenty four twenty to Buffalo, but I'm not surprised at the how this game went at all. This is exactly what I expected this game to look like, uh, and I just didn't know. Flip a coin at the end. Both these teams are very well matched. They've played each other a few times now. I think this is a flipper coin, you know, every time they play. So, what do you guys think about that matchup? I think that the Chiefs' offense is nowhere near as powered as the Bills. They have way more weapons, I think, as far as wide receivers. I mean, Travis Kelsey obviously is a weapon. I just think that Josh Allen's a way better running back than what the Chiefs have. If you got what I said there, it's funny, right? Yeah. Um, I think that <laughs> Kelsey's obviously better than Dawson Knox, but they have two receivers in Buffalo that you can't cover both of them at the same time. That's a problem. We saw Gabe Davis. He broke a long touchdown in this game. Really hard to cover their offense, especially with Josh Allen being so mobile. So I think that... Kansas City is the better team all around, but I think the Bills have a way better offense. So it's going to be a, a, a coin flip for every team that plays the Bills this year. Yeah, I think the Bills have a much better passing offense, at least with the players that they have and Diggs, Davis, Knox. Uh, now that they're getting Isaiah McKenzie and Shakir involved, there's a much better passing team than the Chiefs, especially with you said. It's basically just Travis Kelsey and occasionally maybe every three games so far, Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> yeah. But I, the Bills are the best offense in the league as of now. And I think the Chiefs, I think they're a much better coach team, in my opinion. I think the Chiefs roster is trash on offense, looking at it. Other than a handful of offensive linemen, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they're really just getting it done in the passing game with just Travis Kelsey. So I think this is, I don't know. I don't think Sean McDermott's going to be able to sustain this team all the way to the end. I just think that they're going to be the best regular season team every single year until they're not. Yeah, I think, again, these two teams, uh, honestly, love both the quarterbacks. They get better and better. Uh, you're right. Bills have more firepower. This is still going to be a matchup, I think, for this coming uh, decade, it, all going well. The final Sunday night game, or the Sunday night game, I should say, was Dallas and the Eagles. No surprise, the Eagles are soaring 26-17. Uh, we said, or I said last week, I, that I had the uh, Cowboys as an upset, 
primarily because their defense has been holding teams to less than 20 points. I said the key metric is if Dallas can score 20 and not let them. That 20 is the magic number. Didn't happen. Uh, too many turnovers. Uh, early on, Dallas just gave the ball up. You know, it looks like Dallas just kind of left their game plan and, and went with some things that they had not been doing, and they didn't have enough time to recover from that. Uh, and give it to the Eagles, who are the only 6-0 and team uh, in the NFL. All right, final game was, again, here we go, guys, with this. The Broncos. Haven't they been on primetime pretty much every week of the season so far, for the most part? Every week except for one, I think. Painful double overtime, tale of two cities for Russell. Russell looks great first half, second half, and overtimes looks absolutely terrible. Justin Herbert off to a slow start. Not great for primetime games in the NFL this year, but the Chargers are able to win 19-16. to 16. All in all, um, there were a lot of good games. The 1 o'clock hour is by far the, the best games I think that we've seen all year long. What do you all think? They're nodding quietly as they're pondering. <laughs> I don't know. I think the Thursday have been miserable. They Mondays have been. have been better. I think because of the commentating crew, Aikman and, and Buck are way better than uh, the other guys. No, I agree. In <laughs> the fact, other guys are very monotone. It's easy yeah. not to, to kind of doze off while you're watching. And I think, is this Al Michaels last year? It should be. Did uh, he announce it as his last year? I don't think he has. <clears throat> Well, if he didn't, he should be. He's getting awfully bored with these games. <laughs> Let me just run you down real quick so we can jump inside the stats. Uh, again, the AFC North is still up for grabs. Everybody's three and three and two, uh, two and four, so very much up for grabs. Likewise, uh, the uh, AFC South as well with the Titans three and two, Colts three two and one, and Jacksonville and Tennessee behind. Uh, it's still too early, but right now the Chargers and the Chiefs, with the Chiefs being on top of the West at four and two. And this is a surprise, guys, but it's still kind of lumped together. Right now, the AFC East has the Bills at five and one, Jets at four and two, and the other two teams at three and three, with a very hot Bailey Zappi and, of course, Tua Tungavailoa coming back next week. All in all, the Bills are number one. If you move over to the uh, NFC, and again, a couple no surprises: your Eagles are six and zero, oh, uh, Giants are five and one as they lead the NFC East, and in the North, Green Bay has now fallen two games behind the Vikings early. Uh, we're not going to talk about the other two teams there as usual because uh, they're kind of falling off already. Still got time. Uh, surprise in the South: the Buccaneers are three and three, with the Falcons at three and three, and the Saints nipping right there at two and four. And as we said, other than the Cardinals at two and four, everybody in the NFC West is three and three, with the 49ers currently having the advantage. So very early, we've learned exactly what we learn every year: the early wins, uh, hard to tell if they're validated or not. And now as things are starting to turn around, teams aren't going to be – like the Vikings aren't as bad as they played this past week. But that said, we only have one undefeated team. The Eagles, they deserve it. We've said it last week, guys. I, I still echo this. Uh, I think the Giants are marginally better coached this year. I think the Cowboys have better – obviously have a much better defense. And I think the Eagles have an easy schedule and should take ride that all the way to the uh, championship for the East. That said, I think once they get challenged, and I don't know who's going to do it. I believe a first or second round playoff. I think once they're finally challenged, we don't know who this team is. Who's yet. challenging them? They blew out the Vikings. The Bucks look terrible. The Rams and Niners are beatable. There's no one really to challenge. No, I don't disagree. I mean, the, the NFC will not produce a Super Bowl winner uh, this year. I, I mean, 100. percent It's the Bills or Chiefs to win. Period. I mean, that's the way it starts. That's the way I think it's going to finish. If the Bills and Chiefs, one of the two of them, if that's not the AFC Championship game and they're not fighting for a Super Bowl win, I don't know the NFL then. Because I don't see anybody right now, week uh, six, that's going to step up in the NFC and dominate. I don't, listen, I'm not a hater. I'll give credit where they're due. The Eagles are a good football team. But I don't have anything to measure them with yet. And that's all I'm saying. And, and I want to. I mean, I wish that, look, they played well against us. But in fairness, Dallas... Gave a lot of turnovers that they have not been doing, and that's not typical of our type of play. So no excuses. Eagles are 6-0. Kudos to them. Well, each week we like to look inside the stats. We just dive a little bit deeper and look at who is currently leading in statistical categories. Josh, you want to jump inside the stats? Yep. We're going to start off with the stat leaders of every position so far in the season. Uh, we're going to start off with the quarterbacks. Josh Allen has 1,980. Matt Ryan, 1,765. Pat Mahomes, 1,736. 
and Justin Herbert, 1716. Tom Brady, 1652. Still holding on there. It's a shame because some of these quarterbacks have had some rough weeks and the yeah. numbers could be high. Yeah. Uh, touchdown leaders, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes both have 17. Uh, relatively big jump here. Lamar Jackson with 13. Joe Burrow, 12. Jared Goff, 11. And then two guys tied at six. Carson Wentz and Justin Herbert with 10. Uh, rushing leaders, we have Nick Chubb, 649. Saquon Barkley, 616. They look like they're going to be the top two for the rest of the year, more than likely. They've separated themselves from now. Josh Jacobs with 490. Miles Sanders, 485. Lamar Jackson, 451. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> He's the quarterback, y'all. Yeah, he always holds on <laughs> around top five, usually yeah. six the Crazy. last couple of years. Uh, receiving leaders, Tyree Kill with 701. Surely going to have 1,000 yards this year. Stefan Diggs, 656. Justin Jefferson, 654. Uh, Cooper Cup, 607. Jalen Waddle, 533. Interesting to still see two Dolphins in the top five despite their starting quarterback being out for the last Several few games. games yeah. uh, we'll go to the defense. Zaire Franklin for the Colts with 66. Roquan Smith with 66. They've been tackles. the top two guys. Yep, tackle leaders. Not so, linebackers, tackles. Well, no, Defensive no. linebackers were the linebackers. Tackles. tackles. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Brooks, 65. CJ Mosley, 62. Cole Holcomb, 60. We're going to the sacks. Alex Highsmith, Steelers. Uh, he decided since TJ Watts out, he'll lead the <laughs> league in sacks. Uh, Von Miller with six. Khalil Mack with six. Crosby <laughs> and Judon with six as well. Uh, going to the interception leader, Jordan Poyer has been there the whole year. He has four. I don't even know if he's playing. I can't remember. I think he's been out. <laughs> but he's had four. Tariq Woolen has had four in a row. He has four now. Darius Slay, Von Bell, Eddie Jackson with three. Uh, we're going to hop off of those stats. Yeah, it's I, crazy as you're going to your next one. You look at all those guys that had six sacks already this year. Because we know 20 is Superman, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a benchmark I know guys want to get at. But we have a handful at five. Like, there's a ton of guys that are getting pressure this, this year. Yep. Yeah, I think, let's see, there's Matthew Judon at five. But there's also Nick Bosa, Rashawn Gary, Micah Parsons, Zaire Smith. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, sorry, Zadarius Smith and Bradley yeah. Chubb all have six too. So there's Gosh. there's ten guys with essentially a five or more. Um, I have one more that is not a part of that, but the Ravens are now 12 and 0 against NFC teams with Lamar Jackson. Uh, this week they play an NFC team, so presumably they will win. Yeah, unless they have the lead. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's later, been but. terrible this year, but. <laughs> Well, very good. We appreciate you going inside the stats. Each week, we like to look at the NFL schedule, and we like to give you our locks of the week. And in fact, we're going to do that right now. Um, guys, you know, it's easy sometimes because when you have a seven-point deficit, that's Vegas pretty much saying they're going to win, guys. And it doesn't always happen that way. So we try to pick a little bit uh, better than that. I'm going to lock in Kansas City against San Fran. They're both going to should be top of their division, and it's a home game for San Fran, which is why... Uh, I think that Kansas City, uh, with right now current line opened at uh, two and a half. I, I think that they're they're going to lock in that win. They're favored by two and a half, but I think they're definitely going to win. Kel, what do you got for your lock this week? I have Cincinnati over Atlanta. I know Atlanta's been very hot, but Cincinnati presumably has been hot as well. We hope, assuming assuming that Jamar <laughs> Chase can keep it up. Um, Joe Mixon last week only had eight carries, and they still won by just airing it out. So I think they're going to have to run a lot more in this game. But they're at home, and I'm picking Cincinnati. For me, I'm going to be picking the Chargers over the Seahawks. Uh, the Chargers at home, and uh, the, C- the C- Seahawks are still a bottom three defense. And I, obviously, I think Justin Herbert's a much superior quarterback to Geno Smith. Going against a bottom three matchup, he gets his number one target back in Keenan Allen. The Seahawks' defense has allowed... Basically, they've allowed losses or points against them 27, 45, and 39 in three games. Guess the quarterbacks that played and put up those points 27, 45, and 39. Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Andy Dalton. Mm, this is a thanks. terrible defense. Tariq Woolen's been playing very good. He's, he's one guy, and this has just still been a bad defense. Without him, they would have no takeaways, basically. <clears throat> This is just a bad matchup, and for the Seahawks' defense, I don't think the Seahawks... I'm not confident that they're going to keep it up on offense enough to sustain against a healthy Chargers offense with all their weapons. I just think this is an easy game for the Chargers at home. Uh, let's go to the other side of that. Um, let's go with our upsets, and I'll, I'll start I'm, since I'm starting today. Um, I think New Orleans, The this is a battle of two, two, and four teams. I know Arizona's at home, um, but and they're favored by two. 
I just think New Orleans is due. They've been playing good enough to win and haven't been been winning. And I think Arizona uh, is on the opposite side of that. So the battle of two and four, my upset goes with uh, the New Orleans Saints pulling up an upset. Caleb, what do you got? I have Houston over Vegas. They're both fresh off their bye weeks. Vegas is at home, but I think Houston is going to run all over them. I think they're going to be controlling the pace of the game. I think that their defense is great. I think it's underrated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think this gonna, they're. I don't think they're the better team, but I think that they're going to play better in this game, and I think they can control the clock better than the Raiders have. Yeah, and the Texans have had a better defense in terms of takeaways. They're basically matched on offense for the most part, other than I think the Raiders score like one more touchdown a game. But in terms of comparing the players on the teams, Damian Pierce and Josh Jacobs have the same stats. Uh, Devontae Adams is the only difference on the team when you compare the wide receivers. Nico Collins leading the team there. Uh, for me, I'm going to be picking the Colts over the Titans. Um, this has been a traditionally split matchup through the two head coaches' careers, Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich. But I think this is just a much better team, as crazy as that sounds to say, uh, for the Colts. Matt Ryan's second in passing this year uh, This year behind Josh Allen. He's been putting up yards. Uh, presumably, they just need to get the points. And jo- uh, With Jonathan Taylor coming back, Naheem Hines coming back, and I think them finally figuring out their answer at left tackle. I think this is a much better matchup for the Colts. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's had games under 200 yards in basically four out of the five games that they played. Uh, this is just not great for them. Uh, they, they haven't been productive. They've lost to the Giants at home. I don't think home advantage really means much for the Titans right now, especially with the news that they're going to be getting a new stadium or whatnot. But mm. I just think this is a better matchup for the Colts. They have more weapons across the board. I think it's just a much better defense as well. Well, let's move into hot takes. Uh, you guys, again, the joke is I'm terrible at hot takes. I got a good one. I got a good hot take. Well, I know you guys are, can't wait. Uh, my hot take, Josh, you've locked in the Chargers to cover six and a half at home and beat Seattle. We've said that Seattle's playing a better breed of football than we thought they would, and they're probably, at least for real, what we see is what we get. Hot take, Gino will outperform Justin on the football field this week. Justin's had some slow starts. I think Gino has better statistical numbers. He puts up better numbers than my guy Herbert. Huh? Huh? Okay. It's spicy. I have a hotter one. Oh, let's go. Colts, Titans. Okay. Derrick Henry, more rushing yards and Matt Ryan passing, and Jonathan Taylor, more rushing yards than Ryan Tannehill passing. <laughs> so the each of, of the takes. respective... Uh, Pro Bowl caliber running backs more pass more rushing yards than the quarterbacks will pass. Then they will out. Yeah, okay, that's I'm, hot. That's that's probably not going to happen. That's but Tabasco. It, it could hot. happen because two of the best runners in the league. <laughs> the point okay. is, we'll it's see. not supposed to happen. I yeah, get it. It's, it has yeah. to be hot. <laughs> okay, yours is spicy. Mine was pretty good. I mean, yeah. mine are usually yeah. bad. Mine's pretty good. Yeah, but Gino's been doing this. <laughs> <laughs> He's not been out throwing Justin <laughs> Herbert. Come on, yeah, he has. I mean, not on Last the rig. Well. Okay. So them thanks off, for yeah. diminishing my hot take. I was proud of that. I thought about it all day. I don't have a spicy one. I just think I think the Chargers are going to be the highest scoring team of the week. That's very me hot takeish. They can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's how I. That's how I do my hot takes. I, I no. just think they're going to blow out the Seahawks. Yeah. I hope it's a ball game, y'all. I hope we're watching. What is this? A four o'clock game? So this is not going to. I love. By the way. If you don't, they don't pay us to say this. Go out and get NFL Red Zone. It's the best thing happening. You get to watch seven hours of uninterrupted action as it goes through the pipe. Uh, <laughs> he is an amazing uh, play caller. Scott Hansen. Yeah. You're going to say man. No, I, I I don't know if y'all saw on Instagram, but he, he actually put out like his, apparently he eats breakfast. Is like, he's, uh, even though he's in there at lunchtime, he eats breakfast apparently. It's his thing. For luncher, all three together. Yeah. I mean, and he was going over it and I was all in, bro. I mean, I love this guy. I wish we could hang out. I wish we could get him on the podcast. Sadly, not yeah, gonna happen. Not gonna happen. <laughs> we're we're gonna add him on Instagram and just see what we can do. Like we're just gonna hit him up and see if he call in. I doubt it. I know we can dream. <laughs> that's that's not a hot take. That's a pure pipe dream. But yeah, he does a fantastic job. Red Zone's the way to go. I can't watch regular football now because all the hype from the uh, seven hours of unstoppable. You're missing, you're missing too much if you're watching one game. Yeah, you got to watch it like 
yeah, it's changed things, bro. It's definitely ch- gone are the days of flipping back between your two local broadcast channels just to catch the action. Yeah, that's Hopefully. for college game day when you go to the next channel and it's another commercial. You know what we call NFL fans call that hmm. college lame day. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want to get crucified by our <laughs> fans that like college because there's a lot of people that listen to this that are also we like college football, y'all. You don't have to write us or call us or any of those things. We like college football. All right, we're gonna move into our educated guest segment. These are waiver wire players that you might want to keep your eyes on not your regular players how many you have for us this week caleb four four give us number four number four he is Jawan johnson tight end for the saints okay i know we have some bye weeks this week we have i believe tyler higby out dawson Knox out a couple other guys out that you would be starting last week he finally came off an injury went four and six for 41 yards not great, but if you're playing PPR, it's eight points that you might desperately need right now. Mm-hmm. Tight end has been rough this year. He's 1% owned, so he's definitely going to be there for you. Next, okay. Sony Michelle, 3% owned, running back for the Chargers. He's the backup to Eckler, obviously. Eckler is the guy there. Mm-hmm. Josh Kelly, I believe, was injured in this last game. Sony Michelle came in, had 11 touches, 28 yards. Isn't great, but he had all the volume, and he had 14 yards in the air, so... It's doable for a flex position or if you just want to stash a handcuff for okay. Eckler if something were to happen to Eckler. Right. Next, Van Jefferson. He's 5% owned. Has not played this year, but they're on a bye week. The Rams. He's expected to come back after the bye week. If y'all watched him last year, he's explosive. He's great. Their team is much better with him on the field. He opens up the field. People respect the deep play. Makes it easier for the entire offense to go. Sean McVay loves him. He talks about him almost every press conference. He's a great player. He's free. You can get him this week and put him on your injured reserve spot and your fantasy lineups because he is on a bye week still. He should be able to pick up off waivers. Love it. And your final one. Last, Bailey Zappi. We talked about him. We're probably going to talk about him in a little bit. Bailey Zappi's been great. He came out of nowhere in college, broke the college record, got drafted by Bill Belichick, and now he's lighting it up. He threw over 300 yards this last week. He's been winning. He's undefeated. I know it's funny to say. Undefeated as a rookie. Three starts. He does play the Bears, though. They don't let people throw on him. So okay. I think he keeps the job, though. So if you are desperate for a quarterback, especially with these bye weeks coming up, Bailey Zappi's your guy is 2% owned. You see that trade of three, right? Yeah, I see it. <laughs> okay. You got to help me out, man. I made you a deal you can't refuse. A four for two. I'm trading y'all's way. Uh, Caleb, thank you for the educated guesses. Yeah, Bailey Zappi. Keep him on your radar for sure. Hey, one of my favorite uh, segments we do is one called Buy or Sell. It's very simple. Uh, this week, the guys, actually, this season, the guys have not had an opportunity to read over these before I hit them with it. So you're getting some off-the-cuff reactions, guys. So let's jump right into the first one. Uh, and this is just, again, for our listeners who are hearing for the first time, buy or sell. I make a statement. The guys simply tell me if they believe it or not by saying they will buy or they will sell the statement. Statement number one, Cliff Kingsbury, not calling the plays makes the Arizona offense better. You buying or selling? Oh, man. There That's a tough is. one. There's a, a long pause. It's a tough one. Is it really a tough one? I mean, he's he is the offensive coordinator there as well. He got hired because of his offensive savvy, and yet we read that he is giving up offensive play calling responsibilities. Yeah, but I, to who? I, I'm, hey, it already feels like they're playing backyard football. <laughs> like It's already bad. I mean, what else is there to do? There's, there can't be anywhere to go but up. I but, mean, you give the offense to – to Kyler Murray and you let him run it no huddle you let him do his thing I mean this is terrible is this, that what's really going to happen you think uh, he's the he's the head coach he's the offensive yeah. coordinator I don't what I don't know where they're going to do they're going to get so the offense gets better buying or selling I, I would say yes <laughs> you're buying Caleb uh, I'll buy wow because they look so stale right now they have Jeff Rogers he's their assistant head coach okay he's had 21 years experience as a coach he's a special teams coach right now they have one of the better special teams in the league He's been calling plays for – there's a whole list of teams he's been on, but right. he's been calling plays for some teams, and he runs their special teams fully. I think he'll be more creative than what we're seeing right now, especially with all these weapons. We have – when it, James Conner's in, a brutish running back, he runs heavy. They have Rondell Moore, who is, they could put in the backfield and make some trick plays with. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They have Zach Ertz. They had Hollywood I, before he got hurt. But they've had those guys all year. Are you confident that he's doing it, or is he right? Is Josh potentially right? And, he, of course, he's winging it by saying that they might let Kyler call some of his own plays. He won a Heisman doing that. Why, why not? That college and pro doesn't. I know it doesn't translate. So is the guy he's, play calling, or is Kyler I, doing his own? I don't think Kyler's doing his own. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. We, we, if we find if out. If Kyler was doing his own, he'd be running himself a lot more. <clears throat> oh, I, really, I mean, Woody? I mean, that's what they did last year. I remember he, he ran every single game a ton up until the Packers game when he rolled his ankle or whatnot. Right. Then they, he just magically they win stopped running the last year and a half or whatever. We've said a long time ago that Cliff Kingsbury is not the guy that shouldn't have never been given the he, he had a losing record in college. I, if, oh, yeah. and they need to change something. Because obviously the offense isn't working how it is. I know they're way better with the or with DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. They haven't had their lead backs. Right. They've only had Eno Benjamin, who's been on the team, the only veteran on the team that's healthy in the running back position. Uh, they're still trying to figure out Trey McBride and this offense. It's just all up in the air right now, and they haven't been scoring points in the first half at all. Yeah. Their offense has been much better when they're scrambling yeah. around trying to get points at the end of the game. That's just been their better offense. And so if it's Kyler Murray running the offense, doing his own thing, I mean, he's – let, just let him run around. Let him do his own thing. Let him make plays. Don't do all these dump-offs and whatever yeah. to Rondell Moore with all these short wide receivers that you're doing. Let me recap what I think we just said to our listeners, that we all agree that the guy who was hired to be the offensive mind of this team will make the team better by not being the offensive mind of this team. I, I mean, okay. when you look at it, there's a terrible offense. It's not the players that they have. I mean, A.J. Green, we understand that he's not A.J. Green, but he still makes plays on third down. You're they saying have, a guy like Shanahan takes his team over and the offense is golden? It's completely different. Okay. All right, let's move on. Christian McCaffrey will be out of Carolina by the trade deadline. I'm selling. Okay. I don't think that anyone's going to pay for that. His contract's too heavy, two firsts. There's only a few teams that would give up that much, that even have two firsts to give up. Well, you start high, and we know that he's willing to restructure no, his I contract to get that. out of there. I'm just saying, there's no team, name a team right now that would upgrade from Christian McCaffrey. Because the teams that are already good either don't use their running backs or don't need a running back. The Eagles, they're fine with that one. They have three guys. They're running Miles Sanders as mm-hmm. a top five rusher in the league. They don't need anybody else. The Chiefs, they're fine with Clyde, apparently. They're doing fine. I don't think that they pay up for a running back. The Bills... Clearly, don't use their running backs as much as they should. I don't think that okay. a running back is a luxury position. None of the teams that won the Super Bowl the last decade have had a top five rusher on their team. Okay. I don't think that it's necessary to trade for. You can get these guys off the wire. You can, we just saw the Broncos do it with Latavius Murray. You okay. can get a back that's serviceable just fine. I think McCaffrey, I think he's a great player. Obviously, I think that they're asking too much. Obviously, they could trade him for a little less. He'll restructure, but I don't think that people need him. Selling. I'm also going to sell. I think the only team that he'll end up going to if he does get traded is the Arizona Cardinals, the team we just talked about. Steve Wilkes has obvious ties there with him being former head coach there for some time. And the first weekend he trades a guy to the Arizona Cardinals from his team and Robbie Anderson. So I think there's, if they talked about trading Robbie Anderson, they also probably talked about trading for Christian McCaffrey in the same conversation. Um, that's the only place I see him going. As I said, his contract's too much for teams just to, give up that amount of uh, draft capital for one running back, especially at his age and how he has played so far. I just don't know if it's worth it for a team that is winning a ton of games right now, as in the Bills or the Chiefs, as all the teams Caleb just said, to trade a ton for this guy to be put into their offense that's already that successful. So I think if it's a team, it's the Cardinals trying to save their offense with a guy like Christian McCaffrey. But beyond that, I don't think he's going to get traded. I'm buying for a couple of reasons. I think he will negotiate. He said he would his contract to get him, you know, to get him to move on. I think that Carolina wants to to do as much as they can with a player like him to get as much capital as they can in return. Also, I see a team like Buffalo that doesn't really, who never had a solid running game, who feel like they're there already. Like, what do they need draft picks for? They already have a Super Bowl roster. You see what I'm saying? They might be able to throw things. Now, I don't think he'll go for what they're asking, but I do think he goes before the deadline. So, where, I'm where do you think he would go? Buffalo. Beyond Buffalo. Ah. Because every every good player at running back position for the last three years has been going to Buffalo. Well, the reason I say it this time is because, like I said, there are teams that traditionally, uh, there are teams in good enough places that they can afford to lose a draft pick or two and still be the same team. So that was just the team that came to mind. Um, I think Buffalo is a good landing spot. Yeah. The biggest problem with McCaffrey is obviously his contract, <clears throat> and obviously they want firsts for him so yeah we'll see but his dead cap for this year is 27 million going throughout the whole season so already some of that's paid off obviously but the next few years 19 million 10 million and 3 million so it'd have to be more than likely after 2023 for someone to want to trade I think him for the, him the biggest thing that i think you'll see this you haven't seen it a ton it'll be a sign and trade they'll do a restructure of his contract and and then they'll announce the trade that's my guess i could be wrong all right let's talk about our next one 
Here we go. Buy or sell. The Ravens' inability to finish games with the lead will cause them to miss this postseason. In an already tight AFC division, do they have enough to survive? Buy or sell? I'm going to sell. Okay. I think the number one reason they're not winning games is they've been in and out with J.K. Dobbins, and they've had Rashad Bateman miss three games now. I think two or three games. Two of their best offensive weapons not playing. They've been riddled with drops. They've made a lot of mistakes in the fourth quarter. They can't keep a lead. I think it's it's more to due to injuries than to play calling mm-hmm. or Lamar Jackson, I think. Right. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's in a contract year. This could have more effect on whether they keep him or not, but I think they could still make the playoffs just fine. Their division, they're still winning their division, right? Yeah, they're, they're still in the first top place right in their now. division. In a very, they're all one game apart. I understand I mean, that. I think that the apart. Ravens are a way better team than the Bengals. They're obviously better than the other two in their division. We'll see how the Browns hold up until they get Watson back. I just think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs as leading their division. I don't think they're in any jeopardy of that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell. Yeah, and I think I'm gonna sell as well. I think there's some context to their three games, basically that they've lost with the lead. They did. It was a big lead over the Dolphins, 35 to 14. But it was Tua did produce one of the best QB games of all time in that game to come back and win over 500 yards. I think what six touchdowns or something crazy, crazy game for him. And then the number one team in the league beyond or in the AFC, uh, Buffalo Bills are the team that came back against them. The Ravens had a hot start in that game with 20 points. They came back only a 17 point deficit. They they just didn't do anything in the second half. It's also worth noting that Lamar Jackson's worth, worst quarter is the fourth quarter. I think he has like a 50 pass rating or something. One of the league's worst in the fourth quarter. So that goes a lot with closing out games as well. Um, and then the, no excuse here in the Giants game. It just feels like they score a lot of points early and they don't do anything beyond that. And you'll have games like last year against the Lions where it was like 17-14. They did nothing all game and then Justin Tucker had to kick a 60-whatever yarder to break the record last year. So obviously their biggest problem is fourth quarter. They just have to figure that out. Lamar Jackson's had some fumbles and some turnovers in the fourth quarter a lot more. So I think fixing that will obviously fix those outcomes, but I don't think it's going to put them in any jeopardy for the entire season. I think looking after their bye week, they play against the Panthers, the Jags, uh, the Steelers twice, Atlanta, Denver, all beatable teams as we've seen so far this season. So it really opens up for them for the second half of the season. And uh, obviously they just need to close out games. I don't think it's, I don't think their problem with it is them missing the playoffs because of this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also going to sell. I think that it's way too early in the season still. We've seen teams turn things around. Uh, I think this is indicative of some of some things, but I don't think it's it's enough to cause this team to potentially miss out. They're still my favorite. All right, this one's a loaded question or statement. Let me qualify it by saying this is a very unique year. And I've read this across some of the, the internet, so I thought I would pose it to you guys. The statement is simple. Tom Brady will not finish the season. Now I'll let you decide to fill in the blank, whether it's he retires early or he gets injured or – uh, I you know I'm asking if he will finish the season. He, I, this says he will not finish the season. Are you buying or selling? I will sell. I think he's on pace. What's the yard mark? He's almost at hundred thousand. Yeah, he's almost at a hundred. Yeah, I think he's going to play to that hundred thousand mark, even if he's trash. Some team will sign him if he gets cut from here. If he doesn't want to play here anymore, he's going to go for that hundred thousand mark. I think he's going to be the only player to ever do it. Probably will be the only player to ever do it because. Everyone's so far away from him. Yeah, I, th- I don't. Th- I don't see him retiring until he hits that point. And he knows where he's at in that in that lineup of yards. Is it doable this season? Yes, yes, he, it is. He needed to have five thousand, I think. Is that what it is? Uh, no, I think it's like thirty five hundred or something. It's yeah, very, he's already a quarter or a third of the way there. Yeah, so sixteen hundred fifty two yards already. Yeah, I, I don't think that he retires or quits or whatever until he hits that point. Yeah, I'm going to sell as well. I think Tom Brady's making some phone calls. Obviously, I think he's trying to get Gronk. I think he's trying to get offensive linemen in there. He's been pressured more than he ever has in recent memory. Uh, he's not really having a terrible season. I know the Bucks are, and their offense has been relatively weak. He's dumping off a lot more, and that's because of the pressure defensively. They have backups all across the board. They've had offensive linemen retire last offseason. They had one go to the Bengals. So they're missing a lot of starters, and I think they're on their third left tackle, which is obviously important for a right-handed quarterback. But he has eight touchdowns, one interception, 1,600-some yards. I think he's third or fourth in passing this season. Overall, he's not having a bad year. But just I think the team overall is having a bad year. I don't think he's going to quit, but I think they're doing everything they can to try and get offensive linemen. And um, 
potentially Gronk back. I know Gronk said he's done, but it would be cool for them to both retire and go in the Hall of Fame the same year as well. So maybe they do something like that. I think he's going to be making calls, but I don't think he quits during the year. They're still going to take over this division. They're not going to lose the division to the Falcons. They're not going to lose the division to the Saints or the Panthers, who are already basically out of playoff race so far. Okay. I, I don't know. But- They're going to fix it. I just don't think it's going to be pretty. And um, I don't think he's going to quit out on the season either. Here's a, here's some horrifying predictions I'm going to lead to. One, I don't think the team finishes over 500, whether they win the division or not. I, I hear what you're saying about the the mark. He's 2431. He needed 2431 yards to to get there. He's already got 16. So I mean, he's closer than we think. He's going to get it. He's going to get it. I think bold prediction. I think he gets there, and if the team is not winning or doesn't have a chance to align well in the playoff. He retires. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think right now, I'm surprised, to be honest. And we don't talk a lot about character and personal life, and I don't want to start now. Super surprised uh, that he's going through the things personally that he seems to be going through. Again, I, I don't want to dive into that. And, and even when he made the statement screaming at his teammates last week that he didn't leave his wife and kids, that's what he said, his words, I should have played the soundbite, to lose to to rookie, basically, and he dropped some F-bombs about, you know, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> And I get that. Like, I understand he's an emotional player. To me, he's he's different this time. Like, you know, I've been a, a critic of Tom Brady's attitude over the years, and I became a fan uh, these last couple of years. But this version of Tom Brady, uh, a lot of people think, is not who he typically likes to be. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm buying all right, here's the last one. A little off the cuff, but I wanted to I wanted to get some feedback on this one because this guy is actually tearing up uh, all of the feeds that we're reading lately. Troy Aikman should be held accountable uh, for his take off the dresses comment. Now, let me qualify this, all right? If you haven't heard, he said it live, and he's getting roasted by all kinds of people, and there's some people with support, so I'm asking your opinion. The comment he made was, my hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next meetings, and you know, we take off. We take the dresses off. It's too much. Now he said this: a Hall of Fame quarterback who is believed to have about seven concussions in, during his career. And what he is saying, I want to qualify it for our listeners who may have missed it, is he thinks that the way that they are pampering quarterbacks is too much. Okay, so there's there's the qualifying factor. Now, are you are you buying or selling? He should be held accountable for his statements. Let's take the dresses off. I'm selling. Who cares? He's a commentator. He's not writing <laughs> laws or rules for the league. I love Who that cares? perspective. I love that perspective. Well, apparently the social media and Twitter feeds care because it's blowing up everywhere. I mean, that's that's why I, I think it's silly. I think if if you're a quarterback, you know you're going to get hurt. Right. You know you're going to get hit. You're signing up for it. You're playing your whole life. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. Why are we going to let people that don't play the game control how the game is? I think the irony is we're in a very CP world, you know, or uh, I mean, sorry, PC, politically correct. And on top of that, um, you have a guy that contrasts this by saying he's had seven plus concussions. So if anyone would you would think would be really hard, Brett Favre's had a million. He doesn't care. And I think that until play, now, yeah, that plays to the players' mentality that like he's a guy who's had a ton of concussions. That's saying, hey, it's too much. Like let these guys play football. Josh, buying or selling. Yeah, I don't. I didn't hear the quote or anything like that during the game, mainly because they're talking the entire game and they talk about nothing. I mean, yeah. during the broadcast, you'll hear Troy Aikman say that this is his favorite player ever about five times yeah. through every single game. So I didn't hear it. I mean, there, I think there's definitely other ways that you could have said it. I mean, there's any other way you could say what he's talking about in this game beyond that. So if people are really mad about that, I don't know. I just... I think it's a silly thing to be arguing over, and mm-hmm. obviously could have said any other thing to describe what he's talking about. But I've heard many times in the course of pro football commentators say, you know, things like, you know, this type of statement. Not so much take the dresses off, but you know that 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 we can't play with all the rules that keep restricting this. And there was one time, what a year or two ago, they're talking about getting rid of kickoffs or punts because it was too much. And that I, you know, I ag- agree. There's a lot of con- well. Is there more concussions this year than usual, or has yeah. it just been elevated because of the the no. way that no. like Tua went down? I think so. I mean, they're making it. You're going to get have to get looked at a lot longer if your head hits the ground. Basically, I mean, it feels like every player that's gotten hit this year and their heads hit the ground, they've been taken out of the game for the most part. Yeah. I mean, including Kenny Pickett on Sunday, they said it wasn't that bad, but they are protecting the players more. Uh, whether it's actually protecting them or not, I don't know. 
But um, yeah, it definitely seems like there's a lot more people getting hurt. I think the players should be the ones responsible for their own physical being. I think if they think they could play, they could play. Yeah, I've I've never. They should just have that somewhere in their agreement, their contract. Right. That if they're injured when they're told not to play and they play through it, it's on them. Well, when you go skydiving, okay, we, we've proven that it's relatively safe. You have a parachute. We don't lose a lot of people recreationally jumping out of airplanes. We just don't. There's it's not a startling statistic of death. My point is, when you get up in an airplane, before you ever do it, they they instruct you and then you sign a waiver. If something goes wrong, you can't sue them because you're willfully getting in an airplane and jumping out of it. Well, you can't sue them because you're probably dead. Well, okay. But you know, your family has no liability. <laughs> yes. My thing is the NFL has always been a quote-unquote gladiator sport. You know, it's dog-eat-dog dog, or whatever cliche. So, uh, you know, I, I understand in a politically correct world making the comment about taking dresses off implies, you know, it, I, I get all that. It's a reference against women. I get all that. For the record, I don't see ESPN saying or doing anything about this, to be honest. So I think this is more of just our world reacting uh, across the board. Yeah, and I think the fine lining for at least injuries, obviously they're trying to care more about head injuries because it matters a little bit more than everything else, right. ankles, whatever. So yeah. I think if you're able, to, if the player wants to play and say they have an ankle injury or something like that, unless it's something that can completely ruin their career, let the player go out there. I understand protecting their brain, protecting their neck and so forth. But that's protecting their lives, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But if it's something like, ankles or anything like that they should be going back out there if they want to that's just my yeah i'm one, I, i'm an older guy who feels like the game is getting watered out i mean last night we saw a guy pretty much give justin a hug he wrapped him up didn't hit his head he had his arms around his shoulders was giving him a hug and he let him go and he got a flag called for roughing the quarterback yeah I mean, that's ridiculous i mean you see it in college football too there was i think there was a soft hit on will rogers and that was called for roughing the passer and then bryce young literally got hit in the chin with a helmet and they didn't call anything so yeah i mean they're missing stuff and they're also calling stuff kind of to overcompensate I f it feels like so i don't know well we've said and josh your coaches did a good job you know teaching you guys fundamentals so i know coaches today are doing a much better job than they ever have in teaching you know how to hit and how to take a hit all that to say i still think the nfls throw way too many targeting flags especially in college when you are hitting head-to-head. -head. And I say that because we're all taught to get low, right? So if we're both going down, our head's going to be in front. And sometimes head-to-head -head contact is part of the game. It's incidental. And, um, again, I think people should take care of themselves, and we got we got to take it serious. But at the same time, you signed up for this. I know I did. I put a helmet on for years. And at the end of the day, that's on us. So, anyway, just thought I'd bring it up. It was, it was all over social this week, and it was worth saying. All right, let's move into a segment called Stardom or Sit'em. These are just players that are hot and players that are cold. So we're going to give you a couple, each of the guys that you should consider starting in your Week 7 matchups. All right, Caleb, go ahead with your first hot. Rashad Bateman is coming off an injury. He's their best player on the, on the Ravens. They've desperately needed him. They've not been good without him. And he's playing the Browns. The Browns have been getting smacked by receivers. Week 1, they played Carolina, smacked by Robbie Anderson, and smacked by Garrett Wilson. Smacked by Drake London, smacked Smack. by Mike Williams, smacked by a rookie Tyquan Thornton this week. Ooh. Two touchdowns allowed to him. So I think that the, the Cleveland Browns, they're really easy to get smacked by, I think, especially by the deep play receivers like Robbie Anderson and presumably Tyquan Thornton. So Rashad Bateman is that guy. He's one of the most efficient receivers in the league. He's a deep threat. Lamar wants him back. They desperately need a win in this division. Rashad Bateman is going to be hot. Josh? For me, it's T. Higgins against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Atlanta Falcons secondary just does not look good to me, at least, watching the game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was messing with A.J. Terrell the whole game. It felt like it was just bad to watch in the secondary. Uh, T. Higgins against this Falcons team, they allow big plays. Um, the Bengals have a much larger time of possession. They're one or first or second in the league right now. Uh, they're... They take a lot of shots. We know they had eight rush attempts last game, and they they still won the game. So I think they're going to be relying on big plays and passing to their top two receivers in this game. I think it's T. Higgins' week against Atlanta. Caleb, number two. Oof. I think T. Higgins might have been my guy. Hold on. <laughs> number two is Tua. Tua Tungavailoa. I'm starting Tua. I think he is a start. They're playing Pittsburgh. They have allowed – the second most yards and points scored for fantasy from the quarterback position, 1,700 yards allowed to quarterbacks from their defense. 
that's that's not great. And Tua is back. He's <laughs> yeah. healthy. He, he could have played last week, but they held him out. Obviously, they have two of the top five receiving weapons on that team. I think it's going to be a sh- not a shootout. It's going to be a why do you why do you word that airstrike? <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> it's not going to be good. it's not going to be a fair for them. I think that two is going to light it up. Okay. For me is Travis Etienne against the New York Giants. Believe it or not, the Jaguars are a top ten rushing team in the NFL right now with Travis Etienne and James Robinson. Just you haven't seen the touchdowns because. Trevor Lawrence is too busy getting three of them last week. Um, the Giants have no takeaways this year. Basically, they have one interception. It's been a pretty terrible uh, turnover game for them and defensively. They haven't been a high-sack team either. Uh, we really saw the emergence of Kayvon Thibodeau winning the game against the Ravens, but beyond that, has been pretty non-existent. I know he's been injured, but overall, the defense just hasn't been fantastic at stopping anybody, so... I think this is going to be a good game for the Jags. I think they'll be able to pass on them. I think they'll be able to run on them. And I think Travis Etienne might finally get his first rushing touchdown this year. Let's go. Let's go to the other side of it, the cold side. Some players that you absolutely should not start in your fantasy lineup in Week 7. Caleb? I'm going to say Juju Smith-Schuster. I know he just broke out. First game breaking out on the Chiefs. He had caught all five of his targets, 113 yards and a touchdown. I'm just worried that he disappears like he does in other games. He's disappeared in easier matchups. 49ers, if they can get healthy this week, I know they had like five starters out. And that's the reason they lost so badly. I just think that Juju's not – what's the word? He has not been – Consistent. A, yeah, yeah. I was trying or, to get a witty word. productive. Yeah, he's been okay. He's been, he was good in this Buffalo game. I just think that I wouldn't rely too much on him again, especially with such a hard matchup. For me, I'm going to say you can bench Terry McLaurin. Uh, it almost feels like you can bench him every single game. Uh, I mean, at least this year for the first six games. I mean, his stat lines, 58 yards and a touchdown is the only touchdown he had this year on one big play. Uh, Then he had 75 yards, 102 yards. But then beyond that, the last three games, he's been non-existent whatsoever. We know that he now has backup quarterback Taylor Heineke and maybe even Sam Howell if it's that bad of a game. Uh, This Packers defense isn't bad. I mean, they're a top five secondary. As of right now, their offense just can't get anything rolling, and they're on the field for a lot. Uh, this Jets team did nothing against them through the air, and they've been pretty good at sustaining wide receivers from doing anything. So I think this is a bad matchup for him. If he does anything, it's really going to have to be a big play against Jair Alexander. Last one, Kim. Cold, sit him. I'd say Jacoby Myers. He's missed two games this year, but every game he's played, he's had over – not over, he's had 10 points for PPR. He's been very reliable as a, pl- a flex player for PPR, but they're playing Chicago. Those games are always – Run games, defensive right. games. It's going to be brutal. It's a primetime game. I think it's just going to be a run-heavy game. David Montgomery and then Ramondre Stevenson is going to be on the ground. So I don't think that they're going to air it out a lot. Jacoby Myers, I would sit him. For me, it's going to be Mike Gusecki as my second sit. He just had his best game of the year, maybe even best game from last year as well. But seven targets, six catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. He was heavily targeted by backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. We know that that's who Teddy Bridgewater generally throws to or tight ends. We know that Tua does not throw to Mike Gusecki anyways. Um, it's just a bad matchup. Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to have linebackers on them. They have people that are his size playing against him, and I think he's just not going to be able to get open against the Steelers team, especially with how easy it's going to be to throw on the Steelers with the wide receivers that they have. I just think Mike Gusecki's not going to be a priority in this game for the passing game, and I just think it's not a good matchup. All right, well, let's take a look uh, at Week 7. We've already mentioned our, our uh, upsets and locks and those things, but guys, as we close, uh, what's a matchup coming up this week that you guys absolutely cannot wait to see? Uh, New York Giants versus the Jaguars. It's in Jacksonville. I just think that the Duval. Giants, I don't want to say they need this win, but it'd be great for them to be 6-1. and one. I mean, That's mm-hmm. something you really need in that division. Dallas playing the Lions. I, but I think that the Giants, they're a game ahead of Dallas, right? They are one game. Yep, I think that they can continue this streak. Jacksonville's been very tough to play. They've been great. Like Josh said earlier, they they are top in the league with rushing. They know how to control the game. Their defense is great. Trevor Lawrence is finally breaking out, as everyone assumed he would. So I just think it's going to be a hard matchup. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it could be high scoring. Daniel Jones playing the best he's ever had in his life these last few games. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm hopefully looking forward to the Colts-Titans. It always seems to be a snooze fest whenever they play. But hopefully with Jonathan Taylor back, Derrick Henry 
off of his bye week. They've I think they've won their bye week every single time. They're coming off of the bye week every single time with Mike Vrabel. They've only played against the Jaguars after the bye week with Mike Vrabel, but finally a Colts team. We'll see if it's a great game. I think it should be. Uh, the Colts looked great last week in terms of passing at least big plays. Hopefully the Titans can bring it. I just think it's hopefully going to be a big game because usually it has not been between these two teams. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple games that should be uh, – Excellent as average. I think the Falcons are going to give the Bengals a hard time. Super entertaining. I actually think the Lions and Dallas should be somewhat entertaining as well, those two offenses. Uh, if, are we thinking that the daddy's coming back, Dak Prescott? Dak, I think he stated basically after the loss that he was going to come back. Yeah, I think that was the plan. I agree uh, New York and Jacksonville should be one to watch. Uh, Colts-Titans should be another one. Yeah, I think Raiders-Houston might be a very exciting game. I think this is... Big play potential across the board for both teams because these secondaries aren't fantastic. It's going to be Devontae Adams against a rookie corner and Stingley. We'll see how that happen, or deals out for Stingley. And uh, Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks, I think they can get it done against this team. Uh, the Raiders' defense, Nate Hobbs, who's been their top uh, player in the secondary, is now an IR. So there's an opening there for them to have big plays in this game. I mean, overall, I'm hearing that um – First six weeks of fantasy scoring is the lowest it's been in 13 years, down 22% from last year. So we are certainly seeing a shortage of high-powered offenses. Hopefully, they get that going as the year continues. All right, well, week seven will happen. Like I said, you got a full slate of games. Yeah, what do you got, Josh? I was just going to add on what you just said. What what quarterbacks have not been disappointing this year? Ooh. Because you look at it, I mean... Josh Allen, obviously. Not disappointing, yep. He's been as advertised. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes truly has been as advertised. Tua when he's healthy. Yeah, but he's not healthy, so that's not as advertised. I mean, Geno Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We didn't expect him to be uh, good. Jared Goff's been very good. Jared Goff has not been bad. I mean, up until the the goose egg, they led the league in scoring. To me, I mean, it's just Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, as of now. (laughs) And Jared Goff. Jalen Hurts because of what the team's done. He's yeah. been underwhelming in the second half of games every week for the most part. But, I mean, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes are the only guys you can rely on this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we've seen absolute trash come out of Los I Angeles. Mean, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been disappointing other than Allen's and Mahomes. No, I, I mean, I agree. It's It's been... It's been Wild, to say the least. But let's let's hope that we start getting some power in these offenses. Defenses have been raining. I mean, all those guys we mentioned that have all the sacks, and we're seeing guys like Sauce emerge, you know, there in New York. I mean, it's it's defense has been fun, but, you know, lo and behold, the NFL doesn't want to see fun defense. No. Forget that. You know, they want to see high-powered offense. So make sure you're tuning in. As we mentioned, get Red Zone if you haven't, and we'll be back to talk about all the action next week. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell a friend and help us spread the word. We've set up our online shop at guyswithouthelmets.com where you can get your own Guys Without Helmet gear. We also post a weekly video on YouTube, so please stop by and give us a like and subscribe to our channel. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.